I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, it seems that you've stumbled across uh, the Leaves of Glen podcast, where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the sound effects that I've added to this show to give you the impression that you are in a uh, nuzzle house manner uh, in the the drawing room of uh, literature. Don't really know where I'm going with that. Uh, This week we're going to read, since it's December... Uh, and I'm taking a break from the Blue Fairy book because it turns out fairy stories uh, get boring after a while. So now we're going to read The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Frank Baum. It's a children's book written in 1902 uh, and illustrated by Mary Cowles Clark. I will in no way read to you uh, or describe the illustrations. Uh, Lyman, uh, Frank Baum, was born on May 15, 1856, and uh, died May 6, uh, 1919. wonder if he got frustrated that he was both born and dead, or died on probably the, the lamest month in the whole year. Uh, was an American author, best known for his children's books, particularly The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and its sequels. He wrote 14 novels in the Oz series. Ugh. Never going to be a fan of that. I always thought I could blame uh, J.K. Rowling for writing too many Harry Potter books, which set off a frenzy of everyone writing just a million sequels to their franchise that they built. But it's been going on forever, apparently, because this guy wrote 14 of The Wizard of Oz. Did anyone bother reading after the second one? Uh, He also wrote 41 other novels, uh, including the four lost unpublished novels. Ooh. What the hell were those? I'd like to know what those were. Were they like horrible attempts at trying to make The Wizard of Oz more adult or something? Uh, He wrote 83 short stories. Wow. And over 200 poems. Ah, and at least 42 scripts. He made numerous attempts to bring his works to the stage and screen. Uh, The 1939 adaption of the first Oz book became a landmark 20th century uh, of 20th century cinema. So, I have more, but oh, I'm not going to read them, because this book is going to get split up into at least three parts, because uh, it's weirdly long, considering that it's a kid's book about Santa Claus, of all things. Uh, So, I'll give you, oh, just a quick little tidbit uh, about at least one of the sequels. Uh, Queer Visitors from the Mysterious, or Marvelous, not Mysterious, Land of Oz. Uh, the December 18th, 1904 edition of uh, Bomb's short-running newspaper series, uh, Queer Visitors for the Mysterious Land of Oz, entitled, How the Wogglebug and His Friends Visited Santa Claus. <laughs> Just so, so kidsy compared to modern times. Relating to the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodman, uh, Jack Pumpkinhead? Who's that? And H.M. Wogglebug, T.E. 
Okay, well, they must have came from one of the other 14 uh, sequels. Made several toys based on themselves and the sawhorse. Uh, another character from one of the many novels. They bring them to Santa Claus in the Laughing Valley for distribution. Santa lives in the Laughing Valley? The heck is that? Eh, is this new book going to ruin what I cherish about Santa Claus? Uh, who was real, by the way? I've told my kids this from the very beginning. He was real. He's not anymore. He passed away. So we celebrate his memory by giving gifts uh, every year. He died over France in uh, 1942 uh, during one of the bombing raids uh, from Germany. And, uh, but, you know, he died, died as he lived, giving gifts to children. Then he came crashing down. I guess he got hit by one of the many bombs. And um, horrible, horrible, his carcass in the flames. Uh, when they discovered it. Uh, and also, the, just to keep the kids safe, they got rid of all the photographic evidence. Anyways, um, they're going to ruin the memory of Santa Claus with this weird Laughing Valley stuff. Uh, Claus claims that there are not enough toys for all the children, but he will make more for next year's visit. His reindeer and sleigh also win a race against the Gump. Ugh, this is going to ruin everything. Well, that's the grandfather clock, uh, so why don't we wrap this up and dive into the story. Ah, the life and adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. The first of three sections that we'll be reading uh, in this uh, series is Youth. Chapter one of Youth, Bursey. <clears throat> have you have you heard of the great forest of Bursey? Hmm. Ah, well, Nurse used to sing of it when I was a child. Ah, she sang of the big tree trunks. Uh, standing close together, with their roots intertwining below the earth and their uh, their branches intertwining above it, uh, of their rough coating of bark and and uh, and, and and queer uh, gnarled limbs, of the bushy foliage that roofed the entire forest, save for the sunbeams, found a path through which to touch the ground in little spots and to cast uh, weird. Curious shadows over the mosses, uh, the lynchins, and the drifts of dried leaves. Now, the forest of Bursey is mighty and grand, oh, and awesome to those who steal beneath its shade. Coming from the sunlit meadows into its mazes, it seems at, uh, at first gloomy uh, and then pleasant, <laughs> and then afterward filled with uh, never ending uh, delights. For hundreds of years it has flourished in all its magnificence, the silence of its enclosure unbroken, save by the, uh, by the, by the chirp of buzzy chipmunks, the, the growl of wild beasts, and the songs of birds. Yet, Bursey has its inhabitants. For all this, nature peopled it now, in the beginning with fairies, uh, nooks, uh, riles, and uh, nymphs. Ah, and as long as the forest stands, it will be a home, a, a refuge, and a playground to those sweet immortals who revel undisturbed in its depths. Civilization uh, has never yet reached Bursey. Uh, will it ever, I wonder? Part 2. Ah, the Child of the Forest. Once... 
So long ago, our great-grandfathers could scarcely have heard it mentioned. There lived within the great forest of Bursey a wood nymph uh, named Nasil. Uh, she was closely related to the mighty queen Zerline, uh, and her home was beneath the shade of a, a wide-spreading oak. Uh, once every year on a, on, a, on a budding day, when the trees put forth their, their new buds, Nasil held the golden chalice of Ak, that's it, A-K, Ak, to the lips of the queen, who drank therefrom to the prosperity of the forest. Uh, so you see, she was a, was a nymph of some importance, and moreover, it was said that she was highly regarded because of her beauty and grace. She, when she was created, yeah, she could not have told uh, Queen Zerline, could not have told uh, the great Ak, uh, himself could not have told. It was long ago uh, when the world was new and nymphs were needed to guard the forests and to minister to the wants of the young trees. Then, on some day, uh, not remembered, Nasil sprang into being, uh, radiant, ooh, lovely, straight and uh, slim, as the sapling was created to guard. Her hair uh, was the color that lines a, a chestnut burr. Her eyes were blue in the sunlight and, uh, and purple in the shade. Her cheeks ah, bloomed with the faint pink that edges the clouds at sunset. Her, her lips ah, were full red, mm, pouting and sweet. For costume, eh, she adopted oak leaf green. Uh, all the wood nymphs dress in that color, and no, no other is so desirable. Her, her, ooh, 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 here's a fetishist. Her dainty feet were sandal clad, while her head remained bare of covering. Uh, other than her silken tresses. Nasil's duties were few and simple. Ah, she kept hurtful weeds from growing beneath her trees and sapping the earth food required by her charges. Uh, she frightened away the gadgalls, oh, this is getting ridiculous, who took evil delight in flying against the tree trunks and wounding them so that they drooped and died from the poisonous contact. In dry seasons, she carried water from the brooks and, and pools and moistened the roots of her thirsty dependents. Ah, that was in the beginning. Ah, the weeds had now learned to avoid the forests where the wood dimps dwelt. Ah, the loathsome gadgalls ah, no longer dared come nigh. Ah, the trees had become old and sturdy and could bear the drought better than when fresh sprouted. So, eh, the seal's duties were lessened, and time eh, grew laggard. While succeeding years became more tiresome and uneventful than the nymph's joyous spirit loved. Truly the forest dwellers did not lack amusement. Uh, each full moon, they danced uh, in the royal circle of the queen. Uh, there were also the, the Feast of Nuts, uh, the Jubilee of Autumn Tintings, and Solemn Ceremony of Leaf Shedding, and the revelry of budding day. But these periods of enjoyment were far apart and uh, left many weary hours in between. Uh, what, that a wood nymph should grow discontented was not thought of by Nasil's sisters. It came upon her only after many years of brooding. But when once she had settled in her mind that her life was uh, irksome, she had no patience with her condition and longed to do something of uh, real interest and to pass her days uh, in ways hithro undreamed by the forest nymphs. Uh, the law of the forest alone uh, restrained her uh, from going forth in search of adventure. While this mood lay heavy upon pretty Nasil, it, it chanced that the great Ak 
visited the forest of Bursey and allowed the wood nymphs, as was their wont, to lie at his at his feet and listen to the words of wisdom that fell from his lips. Oh, so he's like a cult leader. That's cool. Ack is the master woodsman of the world. Now, here we go. Yeah, he's talking big about himself. He sees everything and knows more than the sons of men. Oh, than Jesus? Ah, oh, boy. Uh, that night he held the queen's hand, for he loved the nymphs as a, as a father loves his children. Clearly, it's a, it's a cult. And Nasil lay at his feet with many of her sisters and earnestly hearkened as he spoke. Uh, eh, eh, we, we live so happily, uh, my fair ones, in our forest uh, glades, said Ack, stroking his grizzled beard, beard thoughtfully, uh, that we know nothing of the sorrow and the misery that fall to the lot of those uh, poor mortals who inhabit the open spaces of the earth. Uh, they're not of our race. Oh, he's racist. It is true, yet compassion well befits beings so fairly favored as ourselves. Often, as I pass by the dwelling of some suffering mortal, I am tempted to stop and, and banish the poor thing's misery. Ah, yet suffering in moderation is the natural lot of mortals, and it is not our place to interfere with the laws of nature. Yeah, this is like something you'd hear a, a racist say or a, a plantation owner back in the old days. Uh, nevertheless, uh, as the fair queen, nodding her golden head at the master woodsman, it, uh, it would not be a vain guess that Ack has often assisted these hapless mortals. Oh, oh uh, Ack smiled. Sometimes, he replied, when they are very young, eh, children, the mortals call them, I have stopped to rescue them from misery. Uh, the men... The women I dare not interfere with. They must bear the burdens nature has imposed upon them, but the, but the, helpless, but the helpless infants, the innocent children of men, uh, have a right to be happy until they become full-grown and able to bear the trials of humanity. So, eh, I feel I'm, I'm justified in assisting them. Not long, not long ago, uh, a year maybe, I found four poor children uh, huddled in a, in a wooden hut, uh, slowly freezing to death. Mm-hmm. Their, their parents had gone to a neighboring village for food and had left a fire to warm their little ones while they were absent, but, but a storm arose and drifted the snow in their path, so they were long on the road. Uh, meantime, uh, the fire went out and the frost crept into the bones of the waiting children. Uh, poor things, murmured the queen softly. Yeah, what would you do? Oh, I called Nelko bidding him fetch wood from my forest and, and, and breathe upon it haha, until the fire blazed again and warmed the little room where the children lay. Then yeah, they see shivering and fell asleep until their parents came. Oh, I'm glad you did thus, said the good queen, beaming upon the master. And the seal, who had eagerly listened to every word, echoed in a whisper, Oh, I too am glad. And this very night, continued Ack, as I came to the edge of Bursey, I, I heard a, a feeble cry, which I judged from the, as a human infant. I looked about me and found, close to the forest, a, a helpless babe, lying quite, quite naked upon the grasses and uh, wailing piteously. Not far away, uh, screened by the forest, uh, crouched Shigra, <laughs> the lioness. So many fake names just being thrown at us. How are we supposed to keep up? "'intent upon devouring the infant uh, for her evening meal. And, uh, yeah, "'What did you do, Ack?' asked the queen breathlessly. "'Oh, not much, being in a hurry to greet my nymphs. <laughs> "'But I commanded Shigra to lie close to the babe and, and give, it her, give it her milk. 
to quiet its hunger. And I told her to send word throughout the forest uh, to all beasts uh, and reptiles that the child should not be harmed. Yeah, I'm glad you did thus, said the good queen again in a tone of relief. But this time the seal did not echo her words, for the nymph, filled with a strange resolve, had suddenly stolen away from the group. But they didn't notice. Swiftly, her lithe uh, form darted through the forest paths until she, until she reached the edge at the edge of Mighty Burzy, and when she paused to gaze curiously about her, never until now had she ventured so far, for the law of the forest had placed the nymphs in its inmost depths. And the seal knew she was breaking the law, uh, but the thought did not give pause to her. Oh, her dainty feet, pervert. She had decided to see her uh, with her own eyes, this infant, Ack, had told of. For she had never yet beheld a child of man. All the immortals were full-grown. There are no children among them. Peering through the trees, Nasil saw the child laying on the grass. But now it was sweetly sleeping, having been comforted by the by the by the milk drawn from Shigra. It was not old enough to know what peril means. If it did not feel hunger, it was content. Softly, uh, the nymph stole to the side of the babe and, and knelt upon the the sward. What's a sward? Well, thanks to the Kindle, we'll find out what a sward is. It's an expanse of short grass. There you go. Her long robe of rose leaf color spreading about her like a gossamer cloud. Her lovely uh, countenance expressed curiosity and surprise, but most of all, a, a tender uh, womanly pity. Uh, the babe was newborn, uh, chubby <laughs> and pink. It was entirely helpless, while the nymph gazed at the infant, uh, opened its eyes, smiled upon her, and stretched out uh, two dimpled arms. Ah, ah, ah. In another instant, Nasil had caught it to her breast. It was hurrying with it through the forest paths. Number three, ah, the adoption. The master woodsman uh, suddenly rose with knitted brows. Uh, there's a strange presence in the forest, he declared. And then the queen and her nymphs turned and saw standing before them Nasil with the, with the sleeping infant uh, clasped tightly in her arms and a fine look in her deep blue eyes. And thus, for a moment, they remained. The, the nymphs filled with surprise and consternation, but the, but the brow of the master woodsman gradually clearing as he gazed intently upon the beautiful immortal who had willfully broken the law. Then the, the great Ack, to the wonder of all, laid his hands softly on the seal's flowing locks and, and kissed her on her fair forehead. Ah, for the first time within my knowledge, said he gently, a nymph has defied me and my laws. Yet in my heart I can find no word of chiding. Uh, what's your desire, Nasil? Uh, let me keep the child, she answered, beginning to tremble and falling on her knees in supplication. Here, in the forest of Burzi, where the human race has never yet penetrated, questioned Ack. Here, in the forest of Burzi, replied the nymph boldly, is my home, and I am weary for lack of occupation. Oh, so this is all just because she's bored, like they said earlier. Let me care for the babe, exclamation point. See how weak uh, and helpless it is. Surely it cannot harm Burzi, uh, nor the master woodsman of the world, exclamation point. Uh, but the law, child, uh, uh, 
the law! Exclamation point. Clyde, ack, sternly. Ah, the law is made by the master woodsman, returned Nasile. If she bids me care for the babe, he himself is saved from death. Who, who in all the world dare oppose me? Queen Zerline, who had listened intently to his conversation, clapped her pretty hands gleefully at the nymph's answer. Ah, you are fairly trapped, O Ack! she exclaimed, laughing. Now I I pray you give heed to Nasil's petition. The woodsman, as was his habit when in thought, stroked his grizzled beard slowly. Uh, Then he said, "Uh, She shall keep the babe, and I will give it my protection. But I warn you, all as this is the first time I have relaxed the law, so shall it be the last time. Nevermore! To the end of the world shall a mortal be adopted by an immortal. Otherwise, uh, would we abandon our happy existence for one of trouble and anxiety? Uh, a good night, uh, my nymphs! Exclamation point. Then Ack was gone from their midst, and Nasil hurried away uh, to her bower to rejoice over her newfound treasure. Part 4 Claws! Another day found the seal's bower the most popular place in the forest. The, the nymphs who oh, clustered around her, and the, the child that lay asleep in her lap, with expressions of uh, curiosity and delight, and nor were they uh, wanting in praises for the great axe kindness in allowing the seal to keep the babe and to care for it. Even the queen came to peer into the innocent childish face and, uh, and hold a helpless chubby fist in her own fair hand. Uh, what you, what you call him, the seal? She asked, smiling. Yeah, he must have a name, you know. Nah, let him be called uh, mm, mm, Claus, answered Nasil. For that means uh, a little one, does it? Rather let him be called Neck Claus, returned the queen. For that will mean Nasil's little one. Well, I'm sure she doesn't appreciate that. She just named the kid right in front of everyone. And then all of a sudden this jerk's like, nah, it's, join your names. Like a... Uh, like a Mormon family. And the nymphs clapped their hands in delight, and Claus became the infant's name, although Nasil loved best to call him Claus. And in after days, many of her sisters uh, followed her example. Nasil gathered the softest moss in all the forest for Claus to lie upon, and she made his bed in her own bower. Of food, yeah, the infant had no lack. The, the nymphs searched the forest uh, for uh, bell udders, gross, which grow upon the goa tree, and uh, when opened are found to be uh, filled with sweet milk. And the soft-eyed does willingly give a share of their milk to support the little stranger, while Shigra, uh, the lioness, often crept stealthily into the seal's bower and, and purred softly as she lay beside the babe and fed it. So the little one flourished and grew big and sturdy day by day, while Nasil taught him to uh, uh, to speak and to walk and to uh, and to play. His thoughts and words were sweet and gentle, for the nymphs knew no evil, and their hearts were pure and loving. He became the uh, the pet of the forest, uh, for axe decree had forbidden beast or reptile uh, to molest him. <laughs> he walked. Fearlessly, wherever his will guided him. Presently, the news reached the other immortals that the nymphs of Bursey had adopted a, a human infant 
and that the act had been sanctioned by the great act. Therefore, many of them came to visit the little stranger, looking upon him with much... I feel like I'm reading the same thing again. First, the Riles, who were first cousins to the wood nymphs, uh, although so differently formed, uh, for the Riles are required to watch over the flowers and the plants. Uh, as the nymphs watch over the foresters, they search the wide world for the food required by the roots of the flowering plants, while the brilliant colors possessed by the full-blown flowers are due to the dyes placed in the soil by the Riles. Well, we're getting into insider information here that's not that interesting unless you're a a plant feeder like the riles, which are drawn through the little veins and the roots. Yeah, here we're still going. And the body of the plants as they reach maturity. The riles are a, a busy people, uh, for their flowers bloom and fade continually. But they are merry and lighthearted uh-huh, and are very popular with the other immortals. Next came the nooks, whose duty it was to watch over the beasts of the world, uh, both gentle and wild. And the nooks had a, a hard time of it, since many of the beasts are ungovernable and rebel against restraint. But they know how to manage them, after all, and will find that certain laws of the nooks are obeyed by even the most ferocious animals. Their anxieties made the nooks look old and worn and uh, crooked. And their natures are a bit rough from associating with the wild creatures continually, yet they are most useful to humanity and to the world in general, as their laws are the only laws the forest beasts recognize except those of the master woodsman. Uh, then there are the fairies, which you already know about, the guardians of mankind who were much interested in the adoption of claws because their own laws forbade them to become familiar with their human charges. Why does this feel boring? It shouldn't be, but it sounds like it. There are instances on record where the fairies have shown themselves uh, to human beings, uh-huh, and they have even conversed with them, but they are supposed to guard the lives of mankind unseen and unknown. And if they favor some people more than others, it is because they have won such distinction fairly, as the fairies are very just and impartial. But the idea of adopting a, a child of men had never uh, never occurred to them, because it was in every way opposed to their laws. So their curiosity was intense to behold the little stranger adopted by Nasil and her sister Nymphs. Claws looked upon the mortals, the immortals, who thronged around him with fearless eyes and smiling lips. Ah, he rode laughingly upon the shoulders of the merry Riles. He mischievously pulled the great beards of the low-browed nooks, and he rested his curly head confidently upon the dainty bosom of the fairy queen herself. Ah, and the Riles loved the sound of his laughter. And the nooks loved his courage, and the fairies loved his innocence. Yeah, the boy made friends of them all and learned to know their laws intimately. No forest flower was trampled beneath his feet, lest the friendly Riles should be grieved. He never interfered with the beasts of the forest, lest his friends, the Nook, should become angry. And the fairies he loved dearly, but knowing nothing of mankind, he could not understand that he was the only one of his race admitted to friendly intercourse with them. Hmm. Indeed. Claus came to consider that he alone, of all the forest people, had no like nor fellow. To him, the forest was the world. He had no idea that millions of toiling, striving human creatures existed. He was happy and content. And there's a little subscript here that says, Some people have spelled his name 
Nicholas, and others Nicholas, which is the reason that Santa Claus is still known in some lands as St. Nicholas. But, uh, but of course, Nicholas is his right name, and Claus, the nickname given to him by his adopted mother, the fair nymph Nasile. Well, I decided that I will bring back a segment I used to do on this show a long time ago where I read about new and upcoming books from Penguin Random House. Why I stopped, I don't know. I assume out of laziness. But I'm bringing it back. And I thought, uh, well, maybe I need a theme. I'm just not going to read about any dumb new book that's coming out from them. Uh, maybe I should pick a theme. And I thought, well, uh, I'm single. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, maybe I'll I'll read about up-and-coming romance novels. So that's what the hell this is. Yeah, so picture, if you will, you're dating me. And you're laying down in your bed at the end of a long day. And I curl up next to you with my pear shape and bark at you about new romantic books that are coming out next month. Like, uh... Like a Shadow of the Night. It's a movie tie-in, it says in parentheses. It's a novel by Deborah Harkness. Uh, it's the number one New York Times best-selling sequel. Everything seems to be a number one New York Times best-selling something or another. What can you write that doesn't become a New York Times best-selling novel? Uh, a Discovery of Witches, uh, book two of the All Souls series, and now the basis for season two of A Discovery of Witches, coming soon to Sundance, now in Shudder. Picking up, ah, from a discovery of witch's cliffhanger ending, ha ha, Shadow of Night takes reluctant uh, witch Diana Bishop and vampire geneticist Matthew Claremont on a trip through time to Elizabethan London, where they are plunged into a world of spies, magic, and a coterie of Matthew's old friends. Well, that must be annoying. The School of Night. As the search for Ashmole 782, the most an enchanted manuscript whose mystery pulled Diana and Matthew into another uh, orbit, deepens as Diana seeks out a witch to tutor her in magic. The net of Matthew's past tightens around them, and together they find they must embark on a very different and vastly more dangerous journey. Uh, the quote at the bottom being a captivating and romantic, ripping yarn. Shadow of Night confirms Deborah Harkness is a, is a master storyteller, able to cast an addictive tale of magic, mayhem, and two lovers. From E.L. James? Uh, isn't he an author? From, he's dead. From the Chicago Tribune. Uh, you want to read a little praise? Sure, why not? Uh, Fans of Harkness 2011's debut, uh, A Discovery of Witches, will be delighted. Uh, Harkness delivers enough romance uh, and excitement to keep the pages turning. Uh, Rears will devour it. Want to read another? Yeah, sure, let's just pick one up. Uh, uh, right here. Rich! Period fun! Uh, spectacularly delightful in its witty characteristic of historical immortals. Uh, Shadow ramps up the supernatural suspense. Hmm, yeah, well, there you go. So be sure to pick that up. Uh, see when it's coming out. January 5th, 2021. It's $18. Uh, don't be afraid to pre-order that from Penguin Random House. So with that, let's dive back into our story.
Part 5, Ah, the Master Woodsman. Years pass swiftly in Bersie, for the nymphs have no need to regard time in uh, any way. Even the sentries make no change in the dainty creatures. Ever, ever and ever, they remain the same, immortal and unchanging. Sounds boring as hell. Well, one of them take up yoga or something. Branch out a little bit. Ah, branch. I made a joke. A tree nymph joke. Klaus, Klaus, Klaus. I want to say Klaus really bad. Klaus, however, being immortal... I'm screwing this whole thing up. Klaus, however, being mortal, grew to manhood day by day. The seal eh, was disturbed eh, presently to find him too big to lie in her lap and had a desire for other food than milk. <laughs> How... What age is he at? How long has he been drinking milk from a lion? <laughs> His stout legs carried him far into Bursey's heart, where he gathered supplies of, of nuts and berries, as well as several sweet and wholesome roots. Why is it going to be wholesome roots? Which suited his stomach better than the bell udders. He sought Nasil's bower less frequently, till finally it became his custom to return thither only to sleep. The nymph, who had come to love him dearly, was puzzled to comprehend the changed nature of her charge. How old is he? Was he like 20 at this point? And unconsciously altered her own mode of life to conform to his whims. She followed him readily through the forest paths, as did many of her sister nymphs, explaining as they walked all the mysteries of the gigantic wood and the habits and nature of the living things which dwelt beneath its shade, the language of the beasts became clear to Little Claus, uh, but he never could understand their sulky and morose tempers. Uh, only the squirrels uh, and the mice uh, and the rabbits seemed to possess cheerful and merry natures. Yet would the boy laugh when the panther growled and stroked the bear's uh, glossy coat, while the creature snarled and bared his teeth menacingly. The growls and snarls uh, were not for Claus. He well knew, so what did they matter? He could sing the songs of the bees, recite the poetry of the wood flowers, and relate the history of every blinking owl in Brzee. He helped the riles to feed their plants and the nooks to keep order amongst the animals. The little immortals regarded him as a privileged person. Ooh, are they bitter? Being especially protected by the Queen Zerline and her nymphs and favored by the great Ack himself. One day, the master woodsman came back to the forest of Brzee and had visited, in turn, all his forests throughout the world, and they were uh, many and broad. Not until he entered the glade, where the queen and her nymphs were assembled uh, to greet him, did Ack remember the child had permitted Nasil to adopt. Then he found, sitting familiarly in the circle of lovely immortals, a broad-shouldered stalwart youth who, when erect, uh, stood fully as high as the shoulder of the master himself. Ack paused, silent and frowning, to bend his piercing gaze upon Claus. The clear eyes met his own steadfastly, and the woodsman gave a, a sigh of relief as he marked burp their placid depths and read the youth's brave and innocent heart. Nevertheless, his axe sat beside the fair queen, and the golden chalice, uh, filled with the rare nectar, passed 
from lip to lip. The master woodsman was strangely silent and reserved and stroked his beard many times with a, with a thoughtful motion. With morning, he called Claus aside in kindly fashion, saying, Bid goodbye, F, F, for a time to Nasil and her sisters, for you shall accompany me on my journey through the world. The venture pleased Claus, ah, who knew well the honor of being the companion of the master woodsman of the world, but Nasil wept, yeah, for the first time in her life, and clung to the boy's neck as if she could not bear to let him go. Now the nymph who had mothered his sturdy youth was still as dainty and charming and beautiful as when she had dared to face Ack with the babe clasped to her breast, nor was her love less great. Ack beheld the two clinging together, seemingly as brother and sister to one another, and again he wore his thoughtful look. Part 6. Claus Discovers Humanity Taking Claus to a small clearing in the forest, the master said, ah, place, your, place your hand upon my girdle. Hold fast while we journey through the air, for now we shall encircle the world and look upon many of the haunts of those men from whom you are descended. Well, these words caused Claus to marvel, for until now he had thought himself the only one of his kind upon the earth, yet in silence he grasped firmly. Uh, the girdle of the great Ack, his astonishment forbidding speech. Then the vast forest of Berzee seemed to fall away from their feet, and the youth found himself pressing swiftly through the air at a great height. Ere long there were spires beneath them, while buildings of many shapes and colors met their downward view. It was a, a city of men, and Ack, pausing to descend, led Claus to its enclosure. Said the master, uh, uh, so long as ye, as ye, uh, hold fast to my girdle, uh, you remain unseen by all mankind. Though seeing clearly yourself, to release your grasp will be to separate yourself forever from me and your home in Berzee. That's a weird condition to give a, a 20-year-old. One of the first laws of the forest is obedience, and Claus had no thought of disobeying the master's wish. He clung fast to the girdle and remained invisible. Thereafter, with each moment passed in the city, the youth's wonder grew. He, who had supposed himself created differently from all the others, now found the earth swarming with creatures of his own kind. Indeed, said Ack, the immortals are few, but the mortals are many. Claus looked earnestly upon his fellows. There were sad faces, uh, gay and reckless faces, uh, uh, well, pleasant faces, uh, anxious faces, and kindly faces, all mingled in puzzling disorder. Some worked uh, at tedious tasks, some strutted in impudent conceit, uh, some were uh, thoughtful and grave, while others seemed uh, happy and content. Men of many natures were there as everywhere, and Claus found much to please him and much to, uh, eh, to make him sad. But especially, he noted the children. First, curiously. Then, eagerly. Then, lovingly. Ragged little ones rolled the dust in the streets, playing with scraps and eh, pebbles. <laughs> who plays with pebbles. Other children, gaily dressed, were propped upon cushions and, and fed with uh, eh, sugar plums. Yet the children of the rich were not happier than those playing with the dust and the pebbles, it seemed to Claus. Uh, childhood is the same of man's greatest content, said Ack, following the youth's thoughts. 
"'Tis during these years of innocent pleasure "'that the little ones are most free from care.' "'Tell me,' said Claus, "'why do all these babies fare alike?' Ah, "'Because they, they are born in both cottage and palace,' "'returned the master. The, "'The difference in the wealth of the parents "'determines the lot of the child. Ah, oh, "'Some are carefully tended and clothed in, 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 in silks and, uh, "'and dainty linen.' Others are neglected and covered in uh, with rags, yet all seem equally fair and sweet, said Claus thoughtfully. Eh, while their babies, yes, agreed Ack, their joy is in being alive, and they do not stop to think. Uh, in years, uh, after years, the doom of mankind overtakes them, and then they find that they must struggle and uh, worry and, and work and fret uh, to gain the wealth that is so dear to their hearts of men. Such things are unknown uh, in the forest uh, where you were reared. Claus was silent for a moment, and then he asked, Why was I reared in the forest among those who are not my race? Ah, here we go. Then Ack, gentle voice, told him the story of his babyhood. How he had been abandoned, we already know this, at the forest edge and left prey to the wild beasts, and how the loving nymph Massiel had rescued him and brought him to the man under the protection of the immortals. Yet I'm, I'm not of them, said Claus, musingly. Ah, yeah, not of them, returned the woodsman. The, the nymph who cared for you uh, as a mother seems now like a, like a sister to you. Yeah, not, probably not really. He's always going to see her as a mom. By and by, when you, when you grow old and gray, uh, she'll seem like a daughter. This is getting weird. And yet another brief span, and you will be but a memory while she remains Nasil. Uh, then why, if man must perish, is he, uh, is he born? demanded the boy. Burp, everything perishes except the, the world itself and its keepers, answered the answered Ack. But while life lasts, everything on earth has its use. Uh, the wise seek ways to be helpful uh, to the world, uh, for the helpful ones are sure to live again. Yeah, much of this, Claus failed to understand fully, but a longing seized him to become helpful to his fellows, and he remained uh, grave and thoughtful while they resumed their journey. They visited many dwellings of men in many parts of the world, watching farmers toil in the fields, uh, warriors dash into cruel fray, and merchants exchange their goods for bits of white and yellow metal, and everywhere the eyes of Claus sought out the children in love and pity, for the thought of his own helpless babyhood was strong within him, and he yearned to give help to the innocent little ones of his race, even as he had been succoured. Succoured. Oh, well, let's look that up. Thanks to my Kindle. It is pronounced secur. Assistance support in times of hardship. All right. He's been secured by the kindly nymph. Day by day, the master woodsman and his pupil traversed the earth. Ack, speaking but seldom to the youth, uh, who clung steadfastly to his girdle, <laughs> but guiding him into all places where he might become familiar with all the lives of human beings. And at last they returned to the grand old forest of Berzee, where the master set Claus down within the circle of nymphs, among whom the pretty Nasil anxiously awaited him. The brow of the great Ack was now calm and peaceful, but the brow of Claus had become lined with, with deep thought. Nasil sighed at the change in her foster son, who, uh, until now, had been ever joyous and smiling. And the thought came to her that never again 
Would the life of the boy be the same as before this eventful journey with the master? Part 7 Claus Leaves the Forest Well, when the good Queen Zerline had touched the golden chalice with her fair lips and had passed it around the circle of honor of the traveler's return, the master woodsman of the world, who had not yet spoken, turned his gaze frankly upon Claus and said, Well... Ah, the boy understood, and <laughs> rose slowly to his feet beside Nasil. Once only, his eyes passed around the familiar circle of nymphs, every one of whom he remembered as a loving comrade. But tears came unbidden to dim his sight. He, so he gazed thereafter steadfastly at the master. I, uh, I've been ignorant, said he simply, until uh, the great Ack, in his kindness, taught me who and what I am, you who live, uh, oh, so sweetly in your forest bowers, uh, ever fair and youthful and innocent, are no fit comrades for a, for a son of humanity. For I have looked upon man, finding him doomed to live for a brief space upon earth, uh, to toil for the things he needs, to, to fade into old age, and then to pass away as the leaves in autumn. Mwah. Yet every man has his mission, which is to leave this world better uh, in some way than he found it. I am of the race of men, and man's lot is my lot, for your tender care of the poor, forsaken babe you adopted, as well as for the loving comradeship. Comradeship. Comrades, I can't say that. During my boyhood, my heart will ever overflow with gratitude. My, my foster mother, here, he stopped and kissed Nasil's white forehead. <laughs> I shall love and cherish while life lasts. I just like the idea of, in the middle of a speech, you mention someone and then just turn and kiss their head and then go back to your big speech. <laughs> I shall love and cherish while life lasts, but I must leave you to take my part in the endless struggle of which humanity is doomed and to live my life in my own way. Eh, what will you do? asked the queen gravely. I must devote myself to the care of the children of mankind and try to make them happy, he answered. Yeah, since your own tender care of a babe brought me to happiness and strength, it is just and right that I devote my life to the pleasure of other babes. Thus will the memory of the loving nymph and the seal be planted within the hearts of thousands of my race, here we go, for many years to come, and her kindly act be recounted in song uh, and in story. While the world shall last. Have I spoken well, uh, oh, master? Oh, you've spoken well, returned Ack. And rising to his feet, he continued, Yet one thing must not be forgotten. Having been adopted as a, as a child of the forest, uh, and the playfellow of the nymphs, you have gained a distinction for which forever separates you from your kind. Therefore, when you go forth into the world of men... You shall retrain the protection of the forest, and the powers you now enjoy will remain with you to assist you in your labors. In any need, you may call upon the nymphs, uh, the riles, uh, the, uh, the nooks, uh, and the fairies, and they will serve you gladly. I, the master woodsman of the world, have said it, and my word is law. I should do that with my kids in the house more often. Like, I am the master house owner, and my word is law. Claus looked upon Ack with grateful eyes. 
Yeah, this will make me mighty among men, he replied. Uh, protected by these kind of friends, I'll be able to, to make thousands of little children happy, which isn't creepy or suspicious. I will try very hard to do my duty, and I know the forest people will give me their sympathy and help. Mm-hmm. Ah, we will, said the fairy queen earnestly. No, we will, cried the Mary Riles, laughing. I see where this is going. We're going to do this like nine more times. We will, shouted the crooked nooks, scowling. We will, claimed the sweet nymphs proudly. But Nasile said nothing. She only folded claws in her arms and kissed him tenderly. Ah, the world is big, continued the boy, but turning again to his loyal friends. But men are everywhere, and I shall begin my work near my friends, so that if I meet with misfortune, I can come to the forest for counsel or help. With that, he gave them all a loving look and turned away. There was no need to say goodbye for for him. The sweet and wild uh, life of the forest is over. He went forth bravely to meet his doom, the doom of the race of man, the necessity to work uh, and worry. But Ack, who was the boy's heart, was merciful and guided his steps. Coming through Burzee uh, to its eastern edge, Claus reached the laughing valley of Ho-Ha-Ho. <laughs> this is ruining the true and he really existed memory of Santa Claus. H-O-H-A-H-O, ho-ha-ho. On each side were rolling green hills, uh, and, and a brook wandered midway between them to the wind afar off beyond the valley. At his back was the grim forest. At the far end of the valley was a broad plain. Uh, the eyes of the young man, which had until now reflected the grave thoughts, uh, became brighter as he stood silent, looking out upon the laughing valley. Then, on a sudden, his eyes uh, twinkled as stars do on a still night, and grew merry and wide. For at his feet, the cowslips and daisies smiled on him in a friendly regard. The breeze whistled gaily as it passed by and flooded the locks on his forehead. The brook <laughs> laughed joyously as it leapt over the pebbles and swept around the green curves of the banks. The bees <laughs> sang sweet songs as they flew from the dandelion daffodil. The beetles chirruped beetles chirrup happily in the long grass, and the sunbeams glinted pleasantly all over the scene. Here, cried Claus, stretching out his arms as if to embrace the valley, will I make my home. That was uh, many, many years ago. It has been his home ever since. Uh, It's his home now. Well, so ends that. The next section is Manhood that I'll read next week. Well, let's, uh, let's pop the hood on this and take a look at what we're dealing with. We got a, a, a nymph who got bored. She kind of had an existential crisis of, uh, really, my whole life is just spent dealing with trees and uh, these other annoying creatures that specialize in animal husbandry and and flowers, and this sucks. And then they all have to worship at the feet of this cult leader, who basically uh, claims to be a type of wood Jesus, and... uh, and then he mentions, yeah, there's a baby over on the edge of the woods. Kind of weird. I told a lion to to breastfeed it. <laughs> and so then the, the nymphs get all worked to do a lather. 
one of them takes off and, and grabs that baby and says, I'm its mom now because I have nothing else in my life uh, of purpose to uh, distract me from the endless toil of caring for trees. Uh, if anything, this reflects pretty well on uh, the condition that we all feel, which is really, especially when you're middle-aged, uh, like myself, you're like, oh, this is my life. I, I get married. Uh, some, as I did, get divorced. And then uh, I have kids that uh, I'm just a dad now, and I have to have a job, and then I eventually die. Uh, being a dad's kind of nice. My kids are nice. I like to think I'm important to them. Probably not, but... Uh, Beyond that, is that it? What about me? What a, what do I get to have something that I force an animal to breastfeed? I want that. So, eventually, the thing, the thing becomes 20 years old uh, and is kind of a jerk, running around, doing his own thing, laughing at animals all the time. Ah, look at that panther. He wants to kill me, but he can't because the cult leader won't let him. I'm sure people in cults have experienced that to some degree. Uh, and then the cult leader says, ah, grab my girdle, grab it, grab my girdle, and let's take flight. So then they fly around, they see man, and then he comes back, a uh, oh, oh, sadder and wiser claws, world weary. And he says, uh, there's a lot of talk about race, that was disturbing. And then uh, he basically says, I'm going to set out to uh, still be better than the average guy, but I'm one of them, but I'm still better than them. But I'm one of them. I mean, I'm still better than them, but I'm going to help them because I'm one of them. And so then he goes to the Ha Ha Ho Valley, or whatever the hell it's called, and uh, Laughing Valley, and then uh, and that's it. He stands there and says, Ah, this is my home, whatever that's supposed to mean. What's good about this story? I mean, I guess it's, it's nice to fantasize about a real person that actually existed who died in uh, 1942 over France during a bombing. But uh, I'd rather know the real story of him. I'm sure it's darker and weirder, and probably just like this story involves a lot of foot fetishes. Uh, what sucks? Well, they made up a whole story about a real guy that died in 1942 over France during a bombing. Uh, what do we learn? What do we take away from this? Well, it's okay to fantasize about people. No one fantasizes about a, a fake life of Ryan Gosling. No, no one fantasizes about a, a false origin story of uh, Minneapolis's own prince. Uh, we just tell the real stories of them because that's all we need to know. Uh, what they do, uh, their end result as an adult in their films or music is good enough. We don't need to make up a story. This author decided, I'm going to make up a story about a real man that existed that died in 1942 over France during a bombing. So, with that, uh, next week we're going to read the, the second half of this book, which will be longer and probably more frustrating for a man like myself that idolizes Santa Claus. Uh, thanks for listening, and enjoy this next pre-recorded segment. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most, where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. Tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's, there's that. 
Well, uh, you can find me uh, at my website, nuzzlehouse.com, where I have a backlog of everything I've ever read. Uh, you can search for it by author if you're a weirdo who's into that kind of thing. Uh, you can also find me on my completely dead and never used Instagram at House Nuzzle, uh, which you'll never see me update. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at House Nuzzle where uh, eh, you can leave me a message or something if you want. I post on there just when I have new episodes and nothing else. Or if you want to speak to me directly, you can email me at glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Now let's see. I swear I still got one left down here. No. That's got a cigarette button.